Hey guys, thanks for watching online. We are honored that you chose to give us this time. We have people watching from all over the world. If you're in the Middle Tennessee area, please come and be a part of one of our local campuses because your experience with church shouldn't end online. It should just begin there or be a supplement to being involved in a local community. So come uh, be a part of one of our local campuses. And, and if you live outside of our area, please contact us. You can contact us through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, email us. Uh, we will be glad to do some research where you live and find a good healthy church to recommend to you to plug into because we want you to be involved in a community. So we hope these messages bless you. Uh, let us know if we can help you in any way. Uh, God bless you again. Thanks for watching and I look forward to seeing you really soon. All right, let's dive in. We are in week three of God, Love, and Sex. It's a series that we are doing to discuss all things relationships. Uh, every couple of years or so, man, we, we really want to focus on relationships. We, we want to help uh, strong marriages. We want to help encourage strong marriages. We want to help, uh, you know, uh, heal broken marriages. We want to help strengthen weak marriages. We want to help those who uh, are looking forward to get married know how to look forward to getting married. We want to help singles, uh, no matter if you're eight or eighty or anywhere in between. Or we we want to help you understand what this thing about relationships uh, are really all about. And so that's why we're calling this series. <clears throat> God, love, and sex, because we're talking about what God has to say about love and sex. Now, I, I think we would all agree that the world we live in, <clears throat> including your friends, maybe even you, <coughs> excuse me, have uh, this thought that what God says about love and sex is more outdated than a payphone, right? I mean, man, it's archaic and what he says. And so I, I want to change that. I, I wanna, my goal is to uh, change your thought about that and to help you to understand that since God is the creator of all things relationships, he's the creator of love, he's the creator of romance, he's the creator of sex, he's the creator of singleness, he's the creator of marriage, all those things, since he created them, he knows how they work best. Okay, and so we've already discussed in our series here, uh, man, we've talked about the purpose of marriage. We wanted to start there because you won't understand, uh, you know, sex, uh, singleness, um, uh, any of those things unless you understand marriage, right? So we talked about the purpose of marriage. We've talked about the purpose of sex. We talked about that last week. Today we're going to get very practical. Uh, by helping you understand and know how to navigate the relational minefield that is the result of the differences between men and women. Men and women are different. We're created that way. Not a bad thing, it, but it is a thing, and we need to know that. And if we don't know how to navigate that, we're going to end up in a lot of trouble, right? Uh, mostly for guys, but we're going we're gonna to end up in a lot of trouble. And so we're going to today look at a very healthy courtship between Solomon and his uh, future bride. In the book of uh, the Song of Solomon, all right, it's an incredible book, and uh, it's basically a jackpot for both married and singles. If you're single, uh, man, there's so much in here. If you're married, the principles just, I mean, it's crazy the things that we can learn from this book. Now, our bottom line for today is, we, uh, is simply this. Don't follow your heart, lead your heart. Don't follow your heart, lead your heart. Uh, we say that because I'm, I'm going to tell you it's in sort of where the inspiration of, of this title for the message came from, all right? But it, it really we live in a world that, man, it's just so, I mean, in romance, it's just like, oh, follow your heart, fall in love, we, all this stuff. And it sounds so romantic, but it's a bunch of junk, and I want you to understand that, all right? I mean, it'll get you in trouble. Your heart's deceitful, and if you follow it, you're going to end up in trouble and wounded. So don't follow your heart. Lead your heart, all right? Now, the Song of Solomon, as, as, as we talked about, man, it's one of the greatest documents ever written on love, sex, dating, marriage, relationships, all of those things. It's one of the greatest documents ever. Matter of fact, if you've never read it, uh, if you've never heard a sermon on it, now I've preached on it before here, so if you're new uh, and you haven't heard that, then uh, you, when we read some of this, you're going to be going, what? God said that? I mean, it's going to change your mind, right, about, uh, about who God is and what he talks about and all that kind of stuff. And so it, it, it's so graphic that young Hebrew Jewish boys were not permitted to read the Song of Solomon until a certain age, right? And it's so steamy that, man, I thought, literally, I thought, you know what I'm going to do, man? I, I'm, I'm going to have Travis and those guys, I'm going to have them to put together like a little romantic playlist suggestion. 
you know, and say, hey, guys, here's a suggestion. I didn't do that. So, guys, let me, let me just get Nora Jones. That would be really good. Smokey Robinson, you know, Barry White. Give you guys some uh, good ideas to some people to download just in case, okay? So, uh, so man, it, it's, it's a really, really uh, good book. But, uh, but even though it is uh, the greatest document ever written, it's one of the most neglected books of the Bible. Because I think preachers have a hard struggle uh, talking, having a spiritual conversation about the birds and the bees with the entire church. I understand it can be awkward. I really do. But here's what I want you to understand, man. Marriage is in the ditch uh, as a whole. Uh, Our views on sex are warped because we've avoided hard conversations on issues that we thought, oh, we don't need to talk about that. And man, our kids have begun learning sex from locker rooms and from slumber parties rather than the Bible. And it's caused our, our marriages to be in the ditch and our views of sex to be completely warped, right? Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but Song of Solomon is in a section of scripture uh, called wisdom literature, right? You got Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. Those books are in wisdom literature. It's called wisdom literature because wisdom literature helps, uh, they're very, very practical. They help us know how to engage the practical affairs of everyday living. Right? If you read Proverbs, and man, a lot of people, they read one proverb a day along with their quiet time, whatever book they're going through, read a proverb that corresponds with that day. And, and so, uh, you know, on January 1st, read Proverbs 1. On January 22nd, read Proverbs 22 because it's just packed full of wisdom. You can't get enough of it. It's just, man, it talks about uh, money. It talks about lust. It talks about seductive. It talks about adultery. It's just the wisdom is crazy off the charts, right? Well, Song of Solomon is practical wisdom purely pertaining to sex, marriage, uh, courtship, relationships, attraction, all that. So we're going to dive into it, all right, because we don't know some of these things. Now, I'm going to make a statement here. You guys are immediately going to agree with me. You ladies are not, and when it's over, then I think we all will, right? I think the greatest struggle and problem in marriage is PMS. Is that right, guys? Now, all you guys are going, I ain't laughing at that. I ain't no fool. I'm talking about power, money, and sex, Okay. Now, see, now women, yes, right? Power, money, and sex. I think those are the greatest issues. Money, the things that we argue about is power. I mean, who's money we struggle, and sex. Those are the greatest struggles in marriage. We don't know what to do with any of them because we've neglected God's word. We've went our own way. We've drunk from the toilet of culture rather than the pure water of God's word when it concerns these issues. So we're going to dive in and begin to uh, unpack some gold we're going to unearth some gold in the Song of Solomon. Incredible book. Let's, let's, let's look at the first two verses of Song of Solomon 1. It says, the Song of Songs, and we're going to talk about, why does it say the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's? Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Man, there is so much here. Matter of fact, we're only going to get through three verses, all right? Because there's so much here. Now, he starts out by saying, this is the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. Now, Solomon, one of the wisest men, I don't know if you know anything about Solomon, but he is one of, he's listed as, known as the wisest man to ever live. Now, that's debatable because later, this is a great book about a pure, healthy courtship between Solomon and his future future bride that's holy and and it's perfect and it's God's word. But later in life, Solomon, man, he loses his mind, right? He loses his mind and he goes away from this. This is good because it's God's word. So we can learn from this time in Solomon's life. He's known as the wisest man who ever lived, right? Matter of fact, he he wrote 300 proverbs. I'm sorry, 3,000, over 3,000, not 300, big difference. He wrote over 3,000 proverbs. He wrote over a thousand songs. He was a prolific poet, a prolific songwriter, right? I mean, he, he, was, uh, he was prolific. And this is called the Song of Songs. Basically, it's saying this is his greatest hits collection right here. This is a time in his life, uh, the wisest man who ever lived. And I said it was debatable because he goes off later and, you know, and has multiple women, which that, that sort of, okay, he wasn't too wise that moment. He was a very wise man, but he got distracted. He went off, off the, the, the rails and derailed his life in so many ways. We know that, but he is the wisest man who ever lived. And he writes, uh, this is God's word. It's in God's word because this is a pure moment when Solomon, this is his greatest love hits right here. It's his greatest hits collection. Now notice, what you want to notice in this is 
that ladies, I, I want to point out, and gentlemen, it's, it's the lady who's on the offensive in this section. Did you know that? I mean, she's the one who says, let him kiss me with the kisses of my mouth. She lets him know what she does, desires. She lets him know what she wants. She's on the offensive. Now, that's different because generally, I, I'm not, not trying to paint everything with a broad brush, but generally it is the man who goes on the offense trying to break down his wife's defenses. Isn't that correct, guys? I mean, generally it's like, man, you're, you're, you're going on offense. Ladies, it's every man's dream practically for uh, his wife to go on the offense every now and then, okay? That's every man's dream. You want to you wanna literally like make him happy, go on offense. Get a, tell, I mean, think about this and go on offense. Now, when you do, just understand you're going to score really quickly because no man has a defense installed, okay? I mean, that's not even in a man's vocabulary. He don't know how to spell defense. That's not even in his mind. Defense? Huh. I ain't no fool, okay? So, uh, so now what we see here is, and, 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 and I, I want you to understand is when you're, th- look at this, she says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. I think it's about much more than kissing, okay? Why does she want him to kiss her? Well, she's going on the offense, and we talked a little bit about that, but I think it's revealing something deeper. It's revealing that women have this deep need for affection, guys. This deep need for affection and kissing is very affectionate, right? Kissing is a very uh, affectionate, passionate, affectionate deal. And so this is affection for women. Now, guys, here's what I want you to understand, okay? Uh, Your wife probably, in general, has a greater need for affection than you, okay? That's probably the truth. Your wife, and we guys, we don't understand this, okay? I mean, affection for us is, I mean, it's a destination, right? That's, I mean, it's not a destination. That's a part of the journey, right? In other, in other words, for, when guys start kissing, it's not like, oh, man, this is what I want to do is sit here and kiss you, okay? I mean, that's a part of the journey. It gets us somewhere, right? For women, kissing is the destination. I don't know. I can't figure it out, guys. <laughs> but it is. Don't ask me why. But it is the destination, okay? And so I say that, guys, because it's so easy for us guys to ignore that. It's so easy for us guys to think, man, I don't know why she needs affection. We're married. Hug <laughs> her, you know? And, and, and so what, that's why we start out with the purpose of marriage. I mean, when, in Ephesians 5, when God said, you know, Paul, Paul told husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. That means, husbands, you need to love your wife by sacrificing and laying your life down. And when you lay your life down for your wife, amazing things begin to happen, and that's very biblical. And so you might not have a great need for affection, but dudes, she does. So that means sometimes you just need to kiss her without any ulterior motive. That's going to be hard. That's going to, like, in your mind, like, okay, I'm going to kiss her, and I'm really not wanting to go and do anything else. That's what you got to do, guys. Sometimes you just got to hold her hand going down the highway in your car. And I know it doesn't make sense. You don't need that, but she does. You'll be amazed at what will happen uh, in your mind. Now, kissing, though, has some amazing benefits, all right? An article in a health magazine uh, uh, said that kissing, it gives some benefits. And one, it said kissing relieves stress by releasing, when you're kissing, these mood-elevating endorphins into the brain. So it's very scientific, and so, you know, it'll help with your mood, and we all need uh, to have, have, you know, better moods at times, so it'll help with your mood. Kissing also burns two calories per minute, Right? Now, I mean, guys, you're not interested in two calories per minute, okay? And you're thinking, I've got to kiss her a minute? I know that. It's like, but two calories per minute doesn't seem like much. But, hey, gentlemen, listen, if you do that right for, two min- for one minute, it might lead to more exercise, if you know what I mean, which counters what I said a moment ago. So I'm not saying, you know, have that for your motive, just saying, okay? Now, it also uh, firms the muscles in your face Man, that's cheaper than a facelift right there. Amazing benefits, right? And it builds your immune system. So if you, the moral of the story is if you want to get in shape and be healthy, man, guys, kiss your wife often and kiss her passionately, okay? That, that'll serve your marriage well. Now, uh, a couple of warnings here as we talk about this. Uh, what I think, I think we're really seeing and having some fun with the fact that women have this great need for affection that's generally greater than a guy's need. Kissing is very affectionate. Kissing is very passionate. Touch is very affectionate. Touch can be very passionate. So, guys, what does that mean? That means 
Don't touch anyone that's not your wife in a way that can be misunderstood. Be very intentional about how you touch, uh, touch women. Don't touch any woman that's not your wife on the face, on the leg. Don't give a full frontal hug and rubbing her back. And, I mean, because you, you may be completely in your mind innocent in that, but you're sending crazy signals and doing things because God designed some things to happen between a husband and wife. That's how it is. Know that and don't do that. If you're single, you've got to be very intentional about how you touch your date. Because if you touch your date in, a, in, in ways that uh, gets hormones raging, it gets emotions involved, those things are powerful. You both might be godly uh, men and women, and all of a sudden, man, it's like, uh-oh, something's going on here, and I don't know what it is. So you've got to know now, man, you've got to be intentional about how you touch women, guys. You've got to be very intentional about that. Because you, you seek the greater good, right? And so you got to be very intentional. Now, so this, this says something about affection, I think, guys, and I hope you're running it. But it also speaks to attraction. Obviously, she's very attracted to this man, Solomon. She's very attracted. So that's why she says, let him, uh, you know, she wants to have a worship service with him. She wants to speak in tongues with him, right? I mean, let him kiss me with the kisses of my mouth and and. Not really a worship service, all right, but anyway, uh, she wanted to kiss him, and she said, let him kiss me with the kiss of my mouth. And then she said, your love is better than wine. Now, what's she saying? Was she saying, man, he intoxicates me. He, he literally sweeps me off of my feet. He makes me lightheaded. I mean, she's, she's attracted to him. She's saying, baby, you are hotter than the bottom of my laptop. That's what she's saying, right? Now, I don't, that's not really what she was saying because they didn't have laptops. That's what Amy tells me all the time, so that's all I knew to say, okay? So, uh, so uh, but the, the point is, you know, she is attracted to him, right? Attraction is not bad. Attraction is very important to a relationship. It's very important to a relationship. The problem is when physical attraction is as far as we get, okay? When physical attraction is all you're interested in. In other words, when you guys say, man, I, I mean, I, I just want a Victoria's Secret supermodel, or you, you ladies say, man, I, I want Magic Mike. I mean, man, when, when, when that's as, your, your attraction is all you're looking at from a physical perspective, you might get a hunk, ladies, but you might get a hunk of something you don't want a hunk of, okay? Guys, she might look like heaven, but she might bring hell with her, if you know what I mean, right? So... When we look at, at Solomon and, and, and his bride here, she's, she's saying, man, uh, she is attracted to him physically, but it goes a little deeper. I mean, you've heard, right? You've heard that beauty's only skin deep. Well, I mean, that's true. And if that's all you're going for in a relationship, then your relationship is only going to be skin deep. It's going to be very shallow, in other words, and we all know how long shallow relationships last. So thank God Solomon's future bride here, as they're meeting and as they're, as they're you know, man, they got this intense attraction physically going on, but it didn't stop there. Thank God she went to the next level. She was a little bit deeper than the Kardashians here in, in what she was looking for. Thank, thank God she was attracted to more than just his guns and his six-pack. Okay, and so let's go on and look at it in verse 3. She says, your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, virgins love you. Man, this is, this is packed with, with incredible uh, information, incredible gold for us. First, she spoke of the smell of his anointing oils. Now, uh, you got you to understand context and everything. Sometimes when you read, you're like, man, what does that mean? You got to understand context. Uh, in those days, men did not bathe uh, like we do today, guys, every day, please, I hope. They didn't bathe like we do today. Uh, it wasn't readily available just from what they did, so they didn't bathe. So most men, as a result of that, I mean, man, they smelled so bad that cat, they couldn't play in the sandbox because the cat come along might cover them up, right? I mean, they stunk. And so what they would do is, is they would lather up with uh, oils and, and ointments uh, that had like um, uh, resin and, and spices in it that, that would keep their skin soft in the Middle East arid climate, but it would also beat back some of the B.O., 
okay? So what she's basically saying here when she says, your anointing oils are fragrant, she's saying, baby, you, you smell so good. You smell like Hollister. You smell like I just walk into a Hollister, right? I mean, he just smells so good. Now, guys, I mean, man, this is just, this is low-line fruit here. I mean, the great thing, some of you guys would be much more successful if you just like maybe use some deodorant, washed your underwear, and groomed a little bit, right? I mean, listen, I mean, just think about this. I love to rub my hand through the hair on his back. Said no one woman ever. I mean, right? I mean, sort of makes you want to throw up in your mouth a little bit, really, doesn't it? I, 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 I mean, so, you know, if you smell so bad, guys, you have to sneak up on your bathwater. I mean, she's probably not going to say when you come home from work, she's probably not going to say, I, I mean, uh, your love, I'm, you're, 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 I'm just, your love just makes me drunk. She's going to say, your smell makes me want to get drunk right? That's not what you want to do to your wife. So, I mean, man, a toothbrush, that would be good for some of you guys. That's just low-lying fruit here, right? I mean, it's not that deep. It's just, it's just low-lying fruit. And so, uh, you know, she said his name. So she's talking about how he smells. She's attracted to how he looks. She's attracted to how he smells. And now, now she, it, it, she, she begins to talk about his name. Your name is oil poured out. Your name. In that day, a name was very important right? And today in, uh, in, uh, in America, to be honest, there's, there's, there's something been lost about the significance of our name. You know, our name, and even where I'm from, our name is very important. I mean, I tell my kids all the time, I don't want my kids to have any added pressure upon their life because they're a PK, a preacher's kid, uh, but I do want them to understand, you do bear the name. Number one, you bear the name of Christ above all, and you bear the name of Hood. Treat it well, wear it well, because it means something. In that day, a name and everything, a name was who you are. Uh, a, a name represented your character, your integrity, your reputation. It was everything, right? It, it, it represented the totality of who you were. And so when she talks about his name is oil poured out and this purified oil, purified oil was extra virgin olive oil. It's what we, you know, when I go to my cabinet today and I, I love olive oil and it's extra virgin, that means the first pressing of olive oil right? It was the purest of all olive oil. And basically in that day, they were an agrarian society. And so their wealth was in crops and flocks and, and all this kind of stuff. And so they tithe and they would tithe the first pressing, the extra virgin olive oil. It was the purest of all oil. And that oil went to straight to the, tent, to the tabernacle because it was the tithe, the first pressing, and to be used solely for the worship of the Lord. And so basically, here, what she's saying is, and what we see is, she didn't follow her heart, she led her heart, okay? She didn't follow her heart, she led her heart. She's not just attracted to how he looks, she's attracted to who he is. She's just not attracted to him physically, she's attracted to him spiritually. His character, his integrity, he's a man of incredible reputation. And so the point, guys, we have to go a little bit farther uh, than a physical attraction. I mean, we have to go and, and we have to choose to lead our heart. And leading your heart, not following your heart, means I'm going to choose who I'm attracted to. I, I'm not just going to fall in love. I'm going to choose who I love. I'm going to choose who I allow myself to love, right? A man of character, a man of integrity, a lady with a good reputation, all, all those things, right? And so now the word character, this is very important. The word character comes from the Greek word, and it's important. When we talk about character, we have an idea, man. It means, man, they, they, there's something to them. There's substance. You know who they are, and they're going to do what they say they're going to do. We think of character being that, and it is. But in the root, it really magnifies uh, the depth of what character really means. The, the word character comes from the Greek word that is used to refer to the, the chiseling that's done by an engraving tool. And so if you wanted to take a, some stone and you wanted to chisel uh, a Bible verse, let's say, into stone, that's the word character. It's the, it's the etching that's done with an engraving tool. So what character means from the root of what character means, it, it really means the stuff that is engraved, that's etched into the soul that makes you who you are, right? There's these things that is engraved and etched into your soul. What are those things that's engraved and that's etched into your soul? It, 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 this should cause us to stop and think. Not only do I want a person with a strong character, I need to be a person with a strong character. I need to be a person whom I desire. If you're not that person, then some things in your life needs to change, 
right? And so you need to be that person, and then you don't need to compromise in, in, in absolutely leading your heart to be attracted to those kinds of people. It doesn't matter what someone looks like. If, someone's attract, if you're attracted to someone, that's great. But then when you begin to learn who they are, you, you're really checking their character. And that should tell you if, if you need to be involved in going further with them. That's what's going on here, right? I mean, there's some great books on all this stuff. I meant to recommend them at first. Uh, you got uh, Mark Driscoll wrote a book called Real Marriage, really good. Kevin Lehman wrote a book called uh, Sheet Music, really good for married couples. Those are married couples. And then uh, Tommy Nelson wrote a book called The Book of Romance, on Song, Song of Solomon, really good. But um, listen, this should cause you, you should never compromise your character, you should never compromise your commitment to only be interested in allowing your heart to go and, and to fall in love with a person of character. You should never compromise that. For instance, are, are they honest? Here's some characters, are they honest? Are they honest? In other words, do they even tell white lies? If you're dating someone, this is for singles, I'm gonna come back to marriage in a moment. If you're dating someone, and, and, and man, they're not honest about their taxes, they're not honest, man, I, I didn't receive, you, you, you know that they got a text or an email from someone, and that person asked them, I didn't, I didn't see your text or email, and you know they did. You know, if, if they lie to their parents, if they lie to their, they're not honest with their boss about where they were, what they're doing, you know, all those things, and you begin to see those things, you're like, whoa, 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 hold on a minute, man, I, I don't need to be here, I'm seeing some character issues, but the problem is, uh, when I talk with people, most of the time people go, well, I know they do that, but they would never lie to me. You're in trouble. I mean, you're in deep trouble, right? My mama used to tell me all the time about someone's character. and She would tell me, you know, if someone talks to you, uh, talks, talks to you about someone, they will talk about you to someone. That's a character issue. If someone lies, they will lie to you, okay? Because it's a character deal. It's etched. You'll be the one wounded. So are they honest? Are you an honest person? Are you an honest person? Uh, do they submit to authority? This is huge. Do they submit to authority? Everybody's under authority. I'm under authority. You're under authority. We're under the authority of, uh, of our bosses. We're under the authority of, you know, our maybe your parents. Uh, you, you know, we're under the authority of our pastors, spiritual leaders. We're under the authority of, of the government. And, and when it doesn't misalign with God's word, we're under the authority of God. We're all under the authority. Now, let me, let me, let me tell you something, folks. If the person you're dating has a hard time submitting to earthly authority, they will have a hard time submitting to God's authority. And if they have a hard time submitting to God's authority, you're gonna be the one that's gonna end up wounded because they're not gonna submit to God's authority when it comes to sex, when it comes to romance, when it comes to all these things we're talking about or any other thing. Do they have a problem submitting to authority? It's a huge deal. Do they have a problem submitting to authority? What kind of reputation do they have? This is huge. That's why she said, your name is oil poured out and all the virgins want you. All the virgins wanted him to be their man because he had an incredible reputation. What's your, what's your reputation? Do people know you love God? Do people know you're committed to God? Do you have a reputation of faithfulness, of loyalty? What is your reputation? What's the reputation of the person you're dating? Would your parents be like overjoyed that you're dating this man or this woman? Would your spiritual community, maybe your parents are not Christian, maybe their parents don't, I don't know, maybe you're in a situation where your parents don't really care, okay, because I know some of you are. Does, would your spiritual biblical community be like, yes, man, this is good, or would they be like, you've lost your mind, what are you doing? What's the reputation? What's your reputation? What's their reputation? Do they run hard after the heart of God? You know, listen, we obviously know biblically that Christians should not date non-Christians. That's what's, what it talks about when it talks about being unequally yoked, right? That means if you're a believer and you, you shouldn't date someone who's not a believer because you can't marry someone who's not a believer. That's a biblical, laid out, clear principle, right? So they gotta be a Christian, but man, I, I'm, I'm gonna take it further. If you want to really enter this thing correctly. I, I, don't, I think your baseline shouldn't be, man, they have a spiritual heartbeat, but do they have spiritual life? Do they have a commitment? Do they honor the Lord? Do they love the Lord? Do they love his word? Does he or she love his word, right? 
I mean, are they running hard after the heart of God? Can he lead you? Will she, uh, you know, come along and, 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 and encourage you from the word? Because here's what I promise you. If they have a lukewarm love for Jesus, and we know what Revelation says about someone who's lukewarm, a Christian who's lukewarm, uh, God said, I'd rather spit you out of my You make me want to throw up is what God said about lukewarm Christianity. Right? And so if they have a lukewarm love for Jesus, then I promise they're going to have a lukewarm love for you. Do they love Jesus? Do they want to run hard after the heart of God? Now, listen, this is important because if you can't say, let me, let me give you some things here to let you know if you're single, whether you, if you're ready to date. I'm going to come back and we're going to talk about all these things for marriage in a moment. But uh, because if you're single and you can't say, I want him or her, I want my, my, my future husband uh, or my future wife to love Jesus more than me, you are not ready for a relationship of that level. You're not ready if you can't say that. I promise you, Amy, I've been married for a long time and Amy, I promise you, uh, knows that if the more and the more I love Jesus, the more and more I love her and serve her, and, and the more and more it blesses our relationship. And I know the same about her. I want her to love Jesus so much more than she loves me because if she doesn't love Jesus more than me, she's not going to love me well. If you can't say that, I want him to love Jesus more than me, then you're not ready. If you're not ready to begin the process of choosing someone to marry, now, now let me... Man, I, you know, dating is, dating is a weird concept, really. I mean, I'm so thankful I don't have to go back into that world. If you're single, I feel your pain, you know. I mean, I'm like, wow. I mean, I, ooh, it's difficult. But did you know that dating is relatively new concept in the history of the world? Did you know that? I mean, really in America, because uh, practically for all of history, all cultures, there was no real dating that took place. The marriages were arranged. And I'm not advocating we go back there, although I've got two daughters now, so that's okay with me. But I, I'm not advocating we go back there, okay? But dating is a relatively new thing in world history. In, in almost every other culture, uh, parents arrange marriages, right? Now, and, and you, did you know that even uh, uh, many people all over the world today cannot understand how Americans are so barbaric, really? They think what we do is barbaric in, in, in being able to allow our, uh, uh, singles to choose their spouse because they're thinking, listen, these, you're, letting, you're, you're letting an 18, 19, 20, 25-year-old choose who they're going to be married to when they have no clue about marriage. They don't even know who they are, let alone the person they're marrying, why not let your parents choose who would, you know, they've been married for a long time. They know a little bit more about marriage than you. I'm not advocating that. I'm telling you the thought process, okay? And, and, I under, and when you think about it that way, it begins to make sense in, in, in some realms, but that's unrealistic in our world, okay? And today, I'm not advocating that at all. Unrealistic. But here's the point I'm trying to make, okay? I think, man, we, we go in ditches, and I think, man, kids start dating at 14, 15. That's, that's, that's ridiculous in our world of dating and our concept of dating because here's what happens. You go into relationships, and what do you do? Man, you break off that relationship. You go into another relationship, you break it off. You go in, so what you learn is a pattern of breaking up, going into it, breaking up, going into it, breaking up. You just learn these patterns, right? And, and man, I'm not saying you don't try to figure it out early. I'm just saying you do it maybe in groups of people. They come over to your house or something, but don't get so emotionally involved in it. And I think until you're ready to, 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 to figure out who your spouse is, if that's not where you are, man, you, dating is not for fun or you're going to get hurt. Okay. When you date for fun, man, it's a, an explosion waiting to happen. All right, so uh, real dating, as we would think about it today, should be when you're ready to choose a mate. Now, obviously, at, 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 and when you're teenagers, and I mean, it doesn't mean you can't go out and be interested in somebody and go out in groups of people, come over to your house, but being emotionally invested, we need to think about that a little bit because when you date for fun, if you're single and 30 years old, and all of a sudden you say, man, I, I'm just gonna die, I'm just dating for fun. Man, you, you, you're getting ready to blow up some things in your life. I promise you, you don't need to be dating at 30 uh, without the intention of, man, I, I, I'm trying to find out who, if God, uh, if this is the person God has for me. Am I attracted to them? Okay. They smell good. Okay. Uh, but man, what's their character like? And then, you know, now, not for me. 
No. So, so uh, you know, if you don't have convictions that you're not willing to compromise for anyone, no matter how much pressure is put on you, if you don't have those kind of convictions, you're not ready. Okay, singles, you're not ready if you don't have those kind of convictions. If you are more concerned about being alone than marrying a godly man or woman with character whose name is poured out like oil, if you're more concerned about being alone than that, you're not ready to date. Okay? You're just not. You're, you're going to get hurt. You're, you're going to get wounded. You're in it for the wrong thing. And if you don't have a list of qualities your wife or your husband must have and you're not willing to settle for less, then you're not ready to date. Okay? One of the things I would tell you for homework, if you're single, is, man, you get, begin to make, the, uh, make a list, right? Of, I'm not going to compromise on character, integrity. I mean, these biblical things we talked about, and you're not going to compromise that. Now, if you're married, man, and uh, I, I mean, uh, you, you look at these qualities, honesty and all that, and I mean, there might need to be some, I mean, if you're married, you're married, right? And so if, if I'm married and my wife, man, I see her being this, I need to talk about that. We need to pray about that because we need to help each other build our, our, our character. But you're married, you're married, all right? And so uh, uh, listen, guys, here, here's what I want you to understand. Christian women, Christian women want a, and long for a man of character and integrity who runs after the heart of God. That's what a Christian woman wants. You can ask every Christian woman here, and there's not one woman that loves the Lord that will say, I don't, I don't care about a man's character. I don't care about his integrity. I don't care if he can lead me well. No, there's not a woman that loves the Lord that's going to say that. They want that in you, husband. If that's not you, that's what they're longing for out of you. Okay? And, 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 I, and for a single man, that's what your future wife is looking for if she loves the Lord. And if you're a Christian, she needs to be loving the Lord. That's what she's looking for. So what are you doing, single men, to develop your character, your integrity? What are you doing to develop your leadership qualities that says, man, I'm running hard after the heart of God? Because that's what your wife wants if you're married. That's what your future wife wants if you're not yet married. Okay? Because here's what I believe. Sex is a barometer for the rest of your life. What happens in the bedroom is a barometer for everything that happens outside of the bedroom. I really, I really believe that. Most of the problems in the bedroom are caused by stuff outside of the bedroom. Usually, if a woman is not attracted to her husband any longer, it has little to do with how he looks. It has everything to do with how, who he is. Little to do with physical attraction and a whole lot to do with his character. I mean, if you're selfish, if you're lazy, if you're a drunk, if you don't work, if you, you know, I mean, uh, all those things, your wife doesn't respect that and that she's not attracted to that. Those are not qualities, guys. And so, so I say that because, dudes, you need to understand how a man's relationship with God affects his marriage. A good marriage begins with a man rightly related to God. Think about Adam and Eve. Adam knew God before he knew Eve. He loved God before he loved Eve. And because he knew God and loved God, he could know and love his wife at the deepest level. Okay? So uh, uh, what we need to understand is if a man doesn't know and love God, his wife, his, his, his marriage will not be as complete as it could. And, and guys, the greatest thing you can do for your marriage I'm telling you, married dudes, listen, the greatest thing you can do for your marriage is know Jesus and love Jesus and grow in your relationship with Jesus. That's the greatest thing you can do for your marriage. The greatest thing. So here, here, here's, here's what I, I, I want you to understand is, is, listen, don't follow your heart, lead your heart, singles. Don't, your heart's deceitful above all, the scripture says. Don't follow your heart. Don't just fall in love, you know, haphazardly and let your, choose who you will allow yourself to fall in love with. If you're single, don't follow your heart, lead your heart. If you're married, don't follow your heart, lead your heart. You know, I've got two daughters. I've got five kids. I've got, I've got uh, three sons and two daughters, right? Now I'm just going to tell, uh, three sons and two daughters. Now I'm just going to tell you, there's a double standard. Okay, there's a double standard when it comes to my sons and my daughters. And I, I promise you, that's the way it is for a dad, all right? It, it just is. 
I mean, my, one of my sons is married, and man, a great wife and two grandkids. It's awesome. Another of my sons, 23 and single. And I have another son that's nine, and then I have two daughters. One's 10 and one's nine, okay? Now, uh, you know, there's going to be a day when some young punk knocks on my door to want to date my daughters, right? I mean, that's going to happen. This young dude, and when, they, when that happens, there's going to be a few things that's going to happen, okay? First, I'm going to go to the door, and I'm going to throw him a bullet. And I'm going to tell him, hey, bud, that thing comes a whole lot faster after 10 p.m., just so you know. All right, and then I'm going to take him in and I'm going to tell him, obviously my daughter sees something in you that I just don't see. <laughs> and we're going to begin to have a little conversation and I'm going to ask him about his relationship with Jesus. And I don't want him to tell me, oh, I'm, I'm, I was baptized and I'm a member of church. I want him to know, I want to know if he loved, loves Jesus. If he stutters, he's out at that point. Okay, I want to know who's who my daughter's following. I want to know who has my daughter. You know what? I was thinking the other day, I was reading through and I said, oh, dads, this will help you right here. All right? You need to write this one down. I think this is a great one. I was reading the other day, and I, Genesis 34, this is basically, I'm going to ask this dude, this young punk that comes in and wants to date my daughter. I'm going to ask him, hey, have you ever heard of a man named Shechem? See, Shechem is a, he's in the Bible. He's a character in, in Genesis chapter 34. And I've got to, I'm a pastor, so I have to be biblical. So let me tell you what happens in 34 of Genesis. In 34 of Genesis, there's, Genesis, there's this man named Shechem, and he defiles a woman named Dinah. Now, you can imagine, he's getting a little tense at that point, right? This young man, this young punk. It's what I want him to be, is a little intense, right? He, he defiles a woman named Dinah, and then he falls in love with her, and he has the gall to go to her dad and to her brothers and say, I love her, I'll marry her. He, Shechem was a Hevite, I'll do anything I can, to, what can I do to have her? And her brothers was enraged, and they said, well, I'll tell you what, you can't have her because you're not circumcised, so unless you and all the men in your city get circumcised, you can't have her. If you do, you can have her. So they go, and he says, all right, we're going to do it. So he has all the men in this city to get circumcised, thinking I'm going to get my women. Man, a day after they're circumcised, when they're down for the count, can't do anything, her brothers go in and just slice her throat and kill them all. So I'm going to say, listen, you touch my daughter and you're going to lose some skin in your head, okay? I'm just kidding. I'm not going to be like that. You guys are thinking, he's serious. <laughs> It'll probably be one of your, one of your sons. I, I'm joking, okay? You ain't going to date the pastor's son. That daughter ain't no way. So, and if you got a boy, he ain't dating my son, okay? But if you got a, if you got a, a boy, you know, no, it, if you got a boy, I'm joking. My point is, I want to know who's dating my daughter. I want to know who she's following, right? That's, that's my point. I, I want to know who she's following because uh, it matters, and I want to teach my daughters. And matter of fact, the other morning, you know, the other morning, we had, y'all ever had bad mornings when it comes, I don't know if you got kids. You, man, we had a horrible morning the other morning. I get up, man, I'm in my office trying to have my quiet time. Amy's getting the kids ready, and I'm hearing this and this, and I go in, and I'm, I'm saying, okay, what's going on? I have to get involved. When I have to get involved, it's, it's, it's on, okay? And so I go in, I have to get involved. I said, what's up? And Amy said, well, it's donut situation. And I said, what are you talking about donut situation? Well, apparently here in Rutherford County, when, uh, you know, you, you go to Krispy Kreme, you take your report card and you get a donut when you get an A. So you get one donut per every A up to six donuts. If you get, you know, more than six uh, A's, you still get six donuts. So I said, all right, that's, that's win. I mean, she said, well, it, it depends on how many A's you got. And so Isaiah come in and said, hey, uh, Mom, can we go to Krispy Kreme today after school and get our donuts? And Amy said, well, sure, son, I'll take you to Krispy Kreme. But you've got to realize, you remember last time, your sisters may get more donuts than you get. Right? Oh, he got, he got furious. I mean, man, just the thought. I, I, he got furious. They get more donuts than I get. And uh, I mean, I, he was furious. I mean, it started this boy. He was mad and he was arguing and all this stuff. And so I go in and I get involved. And so I'm setting him down and I'm thinking, boy, I'm going to get into you. And, and then so I'm saying, son, what are you talking about? You're mad because you're going to get maybe less donuts than your sisters. Think about this. It's all about your perspective uh, because if you, uh, uh, if your sisters wasn't getting any donuts and you were getting three or four donuts, you would be like, <laughs> you know, I love this. It's all about perspective. Now they might get more and you're mad at the whole situation. I said, you don't understand. And, 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 and you know, so, I, so, so I'm talking to him about this and it dawned on me, man, this is a great illustration of what I'm talking about Sunday because singles need to learn to follow their heart. I mean, to lead their heart, not follow their heart. And, and, and so I'm thinking, you know what? So does married people, because here's what I hear all the time from married people. 
Married people come in my office and married people are like, well, Pastor, I think we need to get a divorce because, man, we just fell out of love. I just don't love him anymore. God wants me to be happy, right? I mean, we, we, we make all these, uh, uh, you know, come up with this. And, and, and all we're doing at that point, we're like, we're like my son and the donuts. Our perspective is completely warped because none of that's a biblical thought process, Right? So what we need to do, uh, uh, married couples, is we need to lead our heart, not follow our heart, because I promise marriage is hard. Marriage is hard. I've been married for 30-some years, and, <laughs> and, and, and let's see, you get married so long, it doesn't even matter at some point, right? It's just 30-some. So I've been married for, you know, you know, at one point, you know, when a baby, it's like, he's 12, he's, he's you know, 42 weeks old. I'm like, 42 weeks? Uh, you know, it's what you marriage is. At marriage, you're like, oh, we've been married four years, but at 30, it's just 30-some, right? So we've been married for 30-some years, and I'll promise you, man, it's been great. There's days, man, that woman, I mean, I just, I could eat her with a spoon, you know? And then there's days, she just makes me more puke. <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, she's hard. She's a hard woman to live with. Feel sorry for your pastor. <laughs> Pray for me. Marriage is hard. My point is, oh, I thank God for my wife because it's the opposite. Y'all know that. Marriage is hard. And there's moments where it's blissful and, man, and it's great. And then, man, there's seasons, not just moments or days. There's seasons when, man, it's hard. It's very hard. And your marriage is going to go through those. And what happens is the enemy, he's on the prowl. And what happens is you're in the middle of one of those. You're in the middle of one of those times it's bad. And then all of a sudden, man, I don't know, some lady just listens to you or some dude and you shouldn't be talking about some dude or lady or all of a sudden you get attracted oh she's pretty oh he's he oh man he, he's 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 a hunk you know and 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 you begin thinking and all of a sudden it's like oh wait a minute my wife's not meeting my needs my husband's not meeting my needs I'm not happy we're not happy I mean oh what if I'm married to somebody and my soulmate is over here that's, that's Hollywood junk is what that is because let me tell you who your soulmate is if you're married that's your soulmate Okay? That's your soulmate if you're married to them. That person's not. That's called sin mate. Okay? No matter how you slice it, your heart is deceitful. You can be thinking, oh, look, we're having a hard time. We just fall out of love. Oh, I'm attracted to this. Listen, then you've got to be like my son Isaiah, and somebody's got to come into your life and go, whack, 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 whack. Not really. I didn't smack him around. Uh, but uh, you, you, somebody's got to walk in and say, dude, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Your perspective needs to change from, oh, man, I might can get out of this because I really like her and she's not meeting my needs to, no, your perspective needs to change. I'm leading my heart. I'm not following my heart. My heart's deceitful because right now it wants this thing that's going to destroy me. But I'm leading my heart because this is my covenant commitment, and all of a sudden that goes away in your mind. So, so I'm thinking the other day, you know, I mean, we're, we're getting ready to school, and this is where my sermon inspirations come from, and, and, and illustrations and inspirations. And I'm, so I'm, I'm looking at Isaiah, and I'm thinking, man, uh, you know, here, here, here's a young man, and he, he's not thinking about perspective. That's what a lot of married couples do. That's what a lot of singles do. And I'm getting on him. I'm saying, son, you got to think about perspective. And I look up, and Jaden, my 10-year-old daughter, is on the other side, and she's got this shiny shirt on with a unicorn on it. It says, follow your heart. And I said, and son, you need, and I'm like, Jaden, that shirt's horrible. What are you doing? I looked at Amy, and Amy's like, what, where'd that come from? What are you talking about? I'm like, her shirt. It's horrible. Follow your heart. I know what we want our daughter to do. Follow her heart. Get that shirt off, Jaden. Burn that shirt. <laughs> you know? Boy, I'm on the way to work. I'm thinking, I got my sermon title. I've got, man, everything now. This is cool. But that's not what we want. I mean, you know, because it's so, I mean, man, it's so romantic and and it's so, you know, it sounds so good and it sounds so stinking childish. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. Do what makes you feel good. No, guys, that's not what we do. We lead our heart. We lead our heart. That's what our marriages need. That's why you've got to choose who you fall in love with. Choose who you allow yourself to fall in love with. You can't just let it, oh, go by the seat of your pants. Mystical and all that. No, you've got to keep your guards up and not let yourself fall in love with someone who doesn't have any character and integrity. You've got to not let yourself even think about someone else if you're married. Lead your heart. Don't guard your heart. I'm sorry. 
Lead your heart. Don't follow your heart. This week, man, listen, you, you, here's some homework for you. Uh, husbands, I, I highly encourage you. I highly encourage you to show your wife some affection this week. Hug her. Kiss her. Hold her hand in the car or watching TV with no ulterior motives. None. None. I mean, I'm saying do it, be so staunch about it that if she says, picks you up and starts leading you somewhere, say, nope, we're just sitting right here. Boy, it'll blow her mind. <laughs> no ulterior motives. Show your wife some affection. Ask your wife, baby, do I show you more affection? And what kind of affection? I mean, is it holding your hand? Is it giving you a hug? Is it kissing you on the forehead? Is it kissing you before we go to bed? What is that? Just talk about that, all right? Uh, uh, husbands, you need to make a plan. What can I do to lead my wife spiritually? What do I need to do in my relationship with the Lord? What do I need to do to, to develop more? Where, where are my character flaws? Where are things within me that when I'm pressed, when I'm under pressure, I would break here? Begin to develop those. Because problems in the bedroom are the results of stuff outside the bedroom, guys. I promise. If your wife's not attracted to you any longer, it rarely has to do with uh, appearance and generally has to do with character. What do you need to work on, guys? Single men and women, develop your list. Don't compromise. Begin to, to, to think about those things, okay? These are some great, great, great illustrations or some, some great, great, great uh, homework for you to do. And, and, and guys, gals, listen, married, single, lead your heart, don't follow your heart. Now, somebody may even want to get saved even today after this message, all right? We'd love to talk to you because we really believe that until you're rightly related with God, you can't be right, rightly related with anyone. We'd love to talk to you. Come back and, and talk to us at the next steps. We would love to talk to you let you know what that means and, and, and what it is. And, and uh, man, we're, we're grateful for you, this church, letting us have these conversations because we really want to help you uh, engage life and get the most out of it you possibly can. Life abundantly is what Jesus said. This is where it's going to be. So I'm going to pray. Our ushers are going to come take up our offering. Uh, Travis, the band's going to come out. And we are going to... Uh, um, Worship, respond. You respond how God's led you to. Thanks for being here. Come back next week. Uh, bring someone with you as we continue learning some things from Song of so from Solomon's Song of Songs, his greatest hits. All right, Father, we love you. Thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you that you are a God who doesn't remain silent on any issue. God, you are incredibly gracious to us. You created us. You told us how life works. God, we fumble it when we try to do our own things. And I pray that first we would submit to your word and be committed to doing it your way, even when we don't want to, even when it goes against popular culture, uh, popular opinion, even when, Lord, we're pressured to do otherwise. I pray that we would say, I'm doing it God's way. I pray that today people would begin to lead our heart, not follow our heart. Thank you that you tell us our heart's deceitful above all things, Lord. And I pray that we would lead our heart that we would choose who we are attracted to, that we would choose the person, Father, that we will allow ourselves to love. I pray that we would lead our heart, that when we are in marriage, that we would lead our heart to love the one we're with because that's our soulmate. Whoever we're married to at this moment, I pray that every man and woman who's married in this room watching online would realize at this moment, the person they're married to is their soulmate. And God, I pray that their, their perspective would flip and they would lead their heart to not allow it to go anywhere else. And if it is, to bring it back because your word has spoken. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.